Hello and welcome to the show. I am Nina Turner and you are tuned in to Unbossed. And in the co-host seat today, because it's Monday, we got Action Jackson White, a Rebel HQ contributor. Jackson, it's so good to have you here on Monday. It's always good to be here Monday. And in case Mondays weren't already the best days of the week for you, now they extra the best days of the week for you. Extra. And if you didn't have a reason before, now you have a reason. So it's a dose and a double dose all at the same time. You know what a I'm saying? A dose and a <laughs> double dose all at the same time. I yep. and that. And Jackson and I, we have a great show for you today. We are going to be talking about Tennessee GOP is threatening to cut local funding if the two ousted black lawmakers are reinstated. And meanwhile, North Dakota senators vote to boost their own meal reimbursements after rejecting a free school lunch bill. South Dakota, South Dakota. And later in the show, NASA is ready to make a big return to space. So if you are watching today for the very first time, thank you so much for being here. If you are a regular, thank you too for being here. And keep sharing the good news. Let people know that one of the best hours of their day can be had by watching Unbossed. And if they can't catch us live, they can definitely catch us on video on demand. Just go to TYT and YouTube Unbossed or Nina Turner Unbossed, baby, and there you are. Hit the subscribe button, share it with your friends and your frenemies. We are going to start off in Tennessee. So last Friday, we brought you the news of two black lawmakers in Nashville, Tennessee, who were expelled for protesting at the state capitol to call for action following the recent mass shootings that left nine people dead. Here is a reminder of what Representative Justin Jones had to say. Let's talk about expulsion. For years, one of your colleagues who was an admitted child molester sat in this chamber, no expulsion. One member sits in this chamber who was found guilty of domestic violence, no expulsion. What you're saying to us, since you're trying to put us on trial, I'll say what you're really putting on trial is the state of Tennessee. What you're really showing for the world is holding up a mirror to a state that is going back to some dark, dark roots. A state in which the Ku Klux Klan was founded is now attempting another power grab by silencing the two youngest black representatives and one of the only women Democratic women in this body, that's what this is about. And that was Representative Justin Jones on the hypocrisy that is so so thick you can cut it with all kinds of instruments right there in the Tennessee House of Representatives. And just in case you didn't hear him clearly, he said a state where the KKK was founded. And we're gonna get into that a little deeper a little later in this segment. So here's some half good news about what's happening in Tennessee. Put up this headline, Tennessee lawmaker ousted over gun control protests may be reinstated today. And that was posted just a little while ago. And here are the full details of exactly what could happen. One of the two black Democrats who were thrown out of the Tennessee House last week appeared likely to get his seat back Monday, just days after the GOP exacted retribution against the lawmakers who protested for more gun control. Nashville's Metro Council could return Justin Jones to the legislature immediately when it votes to fill the vacant position on an interim basis. And that was Representative Justin Jones that you just heard give that rip roaring speech and putting the House of Representatives in Tennessee, just laying it out there, putting them on trial, laying them out there for all the world to see. He could be returned to his seat as early as today. But also a reminder, there still has to be a special election in this case as well. So meanwhile, the other expelled representative, Justin Pearson, could be reappointed at 
we appointed Wednesday at a meeting. So we're looking at both ousted lawmakers possibly being reappointed this very week. But they should have never been expelled in the first place. The expulsions on Thursday made Tennessee a new front in the battle for the future of American democracy. Political tensions rose when three joined with hundreds of demonstrators who packed the Capitol last month to call for passage of gun control measures. As protesters filled galleries, the lawmakers approached the front of the House chamber with a bullhorn and participated in a chant. The scene unfolded days after the shooting at Covenant School. And we know at that school, Jackson, baby, young children were killed nine years old and adults were killed as well. And all of those families are grieving the loss of their loved ones. Now, some people may say about the decorum because you hear the Republicans who actually put through the bill to the resolution to oust these two members talk about them disrupting the decorum of the body. But what disrupts the decorum as far as I am concerned is having babies and adults shot while they're at school and to have a legislature, Republican controlled legislature that has that blood on their hands by refusing to do absolutely nothing. Jackson. Well, several things. One, this goes to show that uh, corporate corruption doesn't just get laws passed, but it also gets uh, discourse uh, shot down and it gets people in positions of power uh, defended viciously. Because the reality is protesting gun violence is a subject matter that's not controversial at all. Most people want to see common sense measures passed, like raising the minimum age to 21, making it more difficult for people with histories of mental health issues to get their hands on weapons, things like that that really aren't a stretch. Um, you know, and one of the things that I was talking about, uh, that I've been talking about, is there was a time even in my lifetime, I'm just 31 years old, LG to some, lowercase g to many others, but just right enough to where in my lifetime, you know, I remember when people would come out and do stuff like this, it was more of like a, a valiant statement that, that people would be able to make. But now it's so common that it's just kind of something that highly disturbed people just do because they can. It's no longer like something that people can become martyrs for for different communities because it's too commonplace. Um, so again, these people getting expelled for protesting, uh, these lawmakers getting expelled for protesting something that's so commonplace that it's no longer a grandstand. And really think about that. It's not, you can't really gain fame for this anymore within those sick communities. Um, just goes to show uh, how much these people fight for corporate greed and that's just all it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, the NRA not only controls the Congress, it controls state legislatures all across the country. And I certainly, as we, when I was in the General Assembly in the Ohio Senate, and any type of gun legislation was being brought to the fore, they were on, they were in Columbus. I mean, they were there like white on rice and black on coal all over descending on the Capitol and even making threats. So this country is gonna have to decide who is it going to answer to and who does it serve. And so far, the gun lobby is winning, unfortunately. So we have a familiar face that came through Tennessee. We got Vice President Kamala Harris. She took a trip after the explosion took place. And here's what she said on her visit. And your leadership in this movement is going to impact people that you may never meet, people who may never know your name. But because of your leadership, they will forever be benefited. So I say all that to say, we will not be defeated. We will not be deterred. We will not throw up our hands when it is time to roll up our sleeves. We will fight. We will lead. We will speak with truth. We will speak about freedom and justice. And we will march on. Well, hopefully we're going to speak, then we're going to act. I mean, certainly there's nothing for me to disagree with what the vice president said. We got to get some action on top of the speaking. 
That is what we need. So upon arriving in Nashville, Vice President Harris met privately with the three Democrats at Fisk, which hosted a gathering of community leaders to support the expelled lawmakers. Afterwards, she met with other Tennessee Democratic lawmakers and Nashville Mayor John Cooper. Now in her remarks, Harris also praised the students who converged upon the state capitol in mass to push for gun control. But what comes next? Will Harris be back when it's time for reflection? I hope that she will come back to Tennessee Jackson to help those ousted members because even if they are reappointed, they still have to run for their seats again, unfortunately, and they are going to need the revenue. They're going to need donations to be able to do that. You know, I think you know there's definitely no fault to be found in what Kamala Harris said, but my reaction to this is Kamala Harris has been one of the most disappointing people in politics in my lifetime. And the reason I say that is because I feel that she has greatly failed to take advantage of her position, not only as the first woman vice president, but also the first black vice president all in one. And a lot of it is because it's not really in her. But you know, she was positioned to kind of be the voice of the administration when Joe Biden just doesn't really have the charisma. And again, it's not really in her, so it's not like it's there anyway. But even if it was just scripted, she could have. There's no reason why she shouldn't be one of the strongest, most heard people in the entire nation right now. Even if she, even if people despised her, there's no reason why everybody shouldn't be talking about her constantly, and there's no reason why she shouldn't be able to go someplace and things move because everyone loves her. But it's like her being the first woman and the first black person all in one in that position is kind of something that's just relevant for when you read it on paper. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I always think of that when I see her. It's like, you know, once in a lifetime position and you're nowhere to be found. Yeah, I definitely understand your point, Jackson. And it was all kind of really performative and not a whole lot of like a true emotion behind this, like we're gonna get this done. And of course she was, I mean, we could tell by the call and response that the audience was mostly black and black people. You know, that's what we do as part of our cultural tradition, that whole notion of call and response. It is time for some action to take place. And I cannot, I, I totally agree with you about what you're saying about what the Vice President has the, the mark that she has made or not made uh, so far. I will put the caveat out there that a Vice President can only do what the President you know, allows them to do because they are part of the ticket. And ultimately in that position, when you run on a ticket with somebody, you actually have to bend to their wheel. But sometimes you can go rogue. I mean, Vice President Biden went rogue several times when he served as vice president for President Barack Obama. So it can be done, she just has not done that yet. So yeah, you laid that out there, Jackson, I'm with you on that. So much more to be done, they can still, she can still try to get it done and make a mark. She still got time. Now we all know why those two elected officials were expelled. The Tennessee Three had two black men, and one white woman and the white woman, the white rep was spared by one vote. But in this body, they did not hesitate to make an example of what we would call the uppity young Negroes in that body. So listen to what Representative Justin Jones told Reverend Al Sharpton on MSNBC. You see, we the Tennessee Three, we continue to stand together because this, though their vote was racist, though their vote was to expel the two youngest black lawmakers, their attack on democracy hurts all of us. Whether you're black, brown, or white, it is an assault on all of us. And so that's the thing is that when we were expelled, there were thousands of people from all across the state, from rural counties and urban counties, black and white, of all ages, standing at that Capitol saying, we will not allow this to happen in the comfort of silence, but our democracy is too important to let them pass this extreme measure that's going to have, you know, set a precedent for the future and harm us all. And what Representative Jones had to say was right on the money. But the GOP obviously does not care because they are clamping down on their behavior. Take a look at this headline right here. Expelled Tennessee Democrat says GOP is threatening to cut local funding 
if he's reinstated. So they are so terrified, Jackson, of having that type of energy within that body that they are even threatening the very people on the local level whose job it is to determine who would fill the vacancy until there is a special election. So they not letting up. And even though what Representative Jones said is correct, that this is not just an assault on black people. This is an assault on the fabric of democracy itself in that state. It is very clear that the GOP just do not give a damn. And you know, if there's any way to, well rather, if there was ever a way to show that you don't have an argument, you know, first it's expelling them. Oh, and then, and, but the white woman, she stays. You know, there's nothing, nothing to see here in that regard. But other than that, you know, also just threatening to cut funding for the district area. Why? Because you have no argument. You just want your way, and that sends a clear message. And again, it's like it's not even over something that's controversial. You know, um, it, it, the, the discussions go from, oh well, maybe we should raise the age from tw- uh, to 21. Oh, well, maybe we should just arm teachers. Maybe we should have more bullets spraying around in the classrooms. And you know, one of the things I was saying before we started the show is when you talk about a lot of the situations we're in, it sounds like a parody. It sounds like a comedy sketch, but it's real. And, and these measures are actually being passed all because gun manufacturers have to make more money than they're already making. I mean, our weapons find their ways to all the cartels that we're constantly talking bad about. We got more guns than than people in this country. Like that's why it's always crazy when people flash guns. Like everybody got guns. That ain't special. You you shoot people, you can get shot too. And that's the country that we live in. Yeah, it is. I mean, it just really reminded me so much of the wild, wild west. And just even the configuration of the legislature itself in Tennessee, the House of Representatives, no surprise. When it comes to Representative Justin Pearson's district, District 86, here's a look at the people that are being disenfranchised in that district. We see the population is a little over 63,000. We see the gender makeup, but look at the race makeup there. Look at that, 61%, 61% black. It's a majority black district. So majority black district being disenfranchised in this way. And then everybody else that lives in that district too. They have a right as well. A healthy majority. Go ahead, Jackson. I was just saying it's a healthy majority. It's not like it's like a couple of percentage points over. It's it's very clear who's there. It's overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. And also very clear in terms of who has access to making a difference economically or or, or uh, when it comes to the law. Can these people sue us? No, well, well, just use them as collateral. Yeah, collateral damage, that's exactly what they are doing. And where has the governor been though through all of this? Because we've heard barely a word from the governor. Well, Governor Bill Lee says now it is not, now is not the time. This headline right here, Tennessee governor says, now's not the time to talk legislation in the wake of the Nashville school shooting. <laughs> you know what, Governor, if now ain't the time, when is the time? Right, right, I mean, exactly. When is the time, brother? Never. <laughs> that that that's when is that's when the time is. Literally never. Never. That's right. And it's so asinine too. Tennessee, y'all could y'all could do something about this. You should be ashamed of the members of the GOP of that of the legislature in both chambers. And you should be ashamed of this governor to fix his mouth, to quote grandma, to fix his mouth to say now is not the time. You got babies shot down, you got adults shot down, but now is not the time. When is the time, Governor? Jackson said it right. As far as y'all concerned, never. Never. It's like saying it's like saying I'm hungry. Now's not the time to be talking about getting to a job, son. Yeah. Now's not the time to be talking about going to a restaurant. I know you're hungry, but you know, it's all that. Now is not the time. And unfortunately, it seems like the state is really returning to his racist roots. And Representative Jones had put that out in his speech. The KKK was founded in Tennessee. Let me just walk y'all back down memory lane for folks who don't understand and realize what we're dealing with. That that same spirit and that same essence is right there. Strong, solidly strong in Tennessee right now today. A group included many 
former Confederate veterans founded the first branch of the KKK as a social club in Polanski, Tennessee in 1865. In the summer of 1867, local branches of the Klan met in a general organizing convention and established what they called an invisible empire of the South. Leading Confederate General Nathan Bedford Forrest was chosen as the first leader or Grand Wizard of the Klan. He presided over a hierarchy of Grand Dragons, Grand Titans, and Grand Cyclopses. It was founded in the state of Tennessee. And at its peak, sisters and brothers and family and friends, at the peak of Klan membership in the 1920s, they boasted over 4 million members all across the country from different walks of life. They had professionals in there, they had people in law enforcement in there, in education in there, you name it. They were a member of the KKK all across the country. When I say all across the country, I mean some northerners participated to 4 million people at its height in 1920. So certainly what is happening right now in Tennessee is disappointing, but it should not be surprising. We will keep you posted on this story. Hopefully both representatives Pearson and Jones will be reinstated to that seat this week. But what we need to do is help them get reelected. They had phone calls, the, the, the Tennessee Three had a call with the President of the United States of America. As we can see, the Vice President of America went down there as well. Let's see if they're gonna rock with them when it comes time to raise that money. Let's see if they're gonna share some lists with them when it comes time to raise that money for them to win those seats back again. Actions speak louder than words. Glad they had the call, glad the vice president went there. But let's see what other kind of power they're gonna put behind ensuring that these young elected officials retain, get their seats back and retain their seats. And by the way, the Department of Justice needs to step in here on these fools. They do, because we got a Republican governor, we got a Republican supermajority in the legislature. They threatening to cut funds from local communities if these former lawmakers are reinstated. So Department of Justice, that seems like intimidation to me. Federal government that gives the state money, you need to get in there and regulate these fools. That's what you need to do. This is a sin and a shame. And you know what, Jackson, I know we gotta move on. This is really reminding me of what happened in 1877 when the federal troops pulled out of the South. This is the reincarnation of that same type of spirit. Who the hell do they think they are threatening local funding? When they have stripped away the voices of the people of those two districts, no matter what their ethnicity, race, or gender, or other identifying factors are, they took away their voice. When they expelled those two members, and that is wrong all day long, 365 days of the year and twice on Sunday. Federal government, you need to step in here and regulate these fools, especially on the grounds of them threatening local communities and threatening to take their money away. Something wrong with us, America, something wrong with us, and we gotta make it right. Truth and reconciliation, which we never really had in this country. And that's why we still going through this foolishness and this mayhem. And speaking of foolishness and mayhem, we gonna move from Tennessee and just go on straight to South Dakota. I want you to watch this video from back in March. Yes, I can understand kids going hungry, but is that really the problem of the school district? Is that the problem of the state of North Dakota? It's really the problem of parents being negligent with their kids if their kids are choosing to eat in the first place, which is entirely the problem that could be existing here. I don't believe that it is our responsibility to carry on a program in excess of what the federal government already does. Where does it stop? You know what, what the fuck? Okay, I'm gonna just say that, put Jackson up. <laughs> I ain't got no other words. What in the hell does he mean? Is it the responsibility of the state and calling parents negligent? When they tax dollars pay for those schools, we need to have universal meals in these schools, period, point blank, dot, as my baby sister would say. Jackson, he sound like a fool. Is it their responsibility and parents being negligent and if the kids eat or not? Damn it, make sure they got food. So present it to them and if they want to eat it, they eat it. And if they don't, they don't, but at least they have the option. He sound like a fool. 
Well, Texas, always, there's it, no other way. There's no other way. I mean, I just got to say, what the fuck? I mean, what else can you say? Because I mean, at the end of the day, like the, like the longer I'm involved in politics, the more it's just like Republican ideology always leads you to being useless. It's like these people will talk about all the issues that the country faces, but then when they get in office, they're just like, no, 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 y'all take care of that. Like we 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 won't have anything to do here. Um, you know, and again, like child poverty, child hunger is something that we just ought to take care of. It's just something that should be dealt with. And even if you take um, you know, the the human side out of it, if you just want to look at it economically, if you just want to think about the workforce, how much better does that prepare people if they're able to get through the day without being hungry and all the other stresses that that causes? Um, but you know, these people's attitudes are are basically just kind of like the cream will always rise to the top, and I happen to be part of that cream, unless things go bad for me. Once that happens, then there's a real problem with the system. But it's just selfishness uh, politicized. That's all it is. Because anytime it's 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 time to deal with someone outside of your direct circle of influence or profitability, well then that's just y'all's problem, you know. So, but you know, this is just outright heartlessness. Yeah. I mean, but but I guess we shouldn't be surprised because they don't want to do nothing when babies are gunned down, and now they don't want to do anything to put food in babies' bellies. I mean, this this America is this us? Is that you, America? Hello, is this you, America? BT phoning home, is this you? No, this is you, 21st century America, starving children. Check out this headline right here. North Dakota senators vote to boost their own meal reimbursements after rejecting free school lunch bill. Can't make this up. This must be repeated. Underline, underscore, bold, exclamation point, message in a bottle. We need some righteous indignation over, over starving babies. Now that righteous indignation of people of babies being gunned down in schools and adults, and righteous indignation over elected officials got the pure unadulterated gall to sit up here and withhold tax dollars. It's not even their money. I bet you if they polled adults, and the question was that there are already polls out there. We did stories, countless stories about this, where parents are saying, feed the children, feed the babies. And most taxpayers would say, feed the babies. And it doesn't matter what zip code they're from and how much their parents make or do not make. This is immoral, it is criminal as hell. And I bet you need some church going folks too on top of it. What would Jesus do? We just we just remembered the resurrection, those of us who are Christians. Hello, somebody? He be turning over tables up in that mug. That's what he be, would be doing. Casting these folks out, get away from me. Cause they damn hypocrites. Now, if y'all need something to get up in arms about and to be mad about, this is something to be mad about. And not sitting back being cool, calm, and collected. And this fool stands up here and talks about withholding food from babies, but then they got the pure unadulterated gall to boost their own money for their food. 13 Republican senators voted to increase meal reimbursements for state employees after voting against a bill to expand free school lunches for low income students. They fools and they are moral. And 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 North Dakota, what does that say about you? Because you voted these fools in. Now you can correct this on the next election cycle, but y'all need to be down there in that legislature raising all kinds of hell. And I mean that. Ten days after narrowly defeating a bill to provide free school us free school lunches to low-income K through 12 students, the North Dakota Senate approved legislation to increase the amount of money lawmakers and other state employees receive in meal reimbursements. This is America. The Republican-dominated Senate in late March rejected House Bill 194 by a single vote, would have dedicated six million dollars over the next two school years to cover lunch costs for K through 12 students with family incomes below double the federal poverty level. Children from families of four making less than $60,000 a year would have qualified. And the irony and foolery is not is, is lost. 
on these North Dakota Republicans. A leading Republican senator says employee meal compensation rates and free lunch programs aren't related issues. But top Democrats see the chamber's conflicting actions on the two bills as unjustifiable. Are you kidding me? And here is Senate Minority Leader Kathy Hogan. And this is what the minority leader said, I thought today's vote was very self-serving. How can we vote for ourselves when we can't vote for our children? Hello, somebody. Now, a federal program already provides free meals to students from family make, families making below 130% of the federal poverty level. So the state allocation nixed by senators would have applied to kids with family incomes between 130 and 200% of the poverty level. And if Governor Bergen signs the bill, which he probably is gonna sign it nine times out of 10. State employees could collect up to $45 a day to pay for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's a hike of nearly 29% of the current reimbursement rate of $35. The added cost to the state would be nearly 1 million over the next two year budget cycle. As I said, the governor is Republican and there's a strong likelihood that he is going to sign this bill. Jackson. Well, you know, another thing too is it's like there's like seven people in all of North Dakota. So it's not like this is like an incredibly expensive thing to feed the kids there. And this is like the literally like the easiest issue imaginable. You know, we're not talking about dealing with adults who have maybe drug abuse issues because then at least there's an argument to like, well, they, they grew up and they have the opportunities to make these decisions. At least you have that there. But with children, like none of that exists there. These are people who didn't, I mean, none of us chose to be here, but at least we didn't have some time to make something out of it. But it's not the case for them. You know, so again, it's just, you can't argue with these people. You can only defeat them because there is no argument to be had. It's like they, they, they wanna live in a world where it's like, we just fight for everything. But no, then- they, they need to be defeated, Jackson, they do. Yeah. This is a reflection on North Dakota though. It's a reflection yeah. on the voters that put these people in, in the places. That's, yeah. that's what this is. And you know what? I mean, I just want to ask what kind of new dimension of hell are have we entered? What level, what, what level of hell are we in right now? Now there are some states that do have universal meal programs. Let's put them up. That's California, Colorado, Minnesota, Maine, New Mexico. And then we have some states that are providing universal meals for just this school year. And I hope that they expand that. And that's Connecticut, Massachusetts, Nevada, Vermont, and Colorado had a voter approved measure that takes effect next school year. So Jackson, obviously there are models out there of states that are doing the right thing by their children. But North Dakota is not one of them. And neither is my state of Ohio either so far. I mean, we're fighting to get that in the, in the budget. Uh, right now for the state of Ohio. They playing games here too, the Republicans, but go right ahead. I was just gonna say like, I can't really think of any regular everyday person who would really be against kids having access to school lunches or breakfast or anything like that. Like that's just not really something that regular people would would be against because it's just, it's normal. It's something that so many people grew up with and are used to. And again, it just makes sense, like it's not, you know, like I mean, and how many how many penny pension Republicans exist out there? Like this isn't something that oh, I'm a Republican and I just don't want kids to have food. Like this is yeah, a, I mean, this should not this is not a partisan issue. This is about no. kids having food. Yeah. So North Dakota, we got our eye on you. Ohio, we got our eye on you. And the rest of the states, all 50 states, need to provide universal meals. That's breakfast and lunch for these babies, regardless of their parents' means. That is what a civilized society would do. We are all up in a new dimension, a whole new level of hell. Oh, we got some good news. NASA is ready to make a big return to space. Take a look. I'm Christina Cook. I'm a mission specialist. I'm Jeremy Hansen. I'm a mission specialist. I'm Victor Glover. I'm the pilot. I'm Reed Wiseman. I'm the commander for the Artemis II mission to the moon. To the moon. To the moon. To the moon.
to the moon, baby, to the moon. I'm gonna tell you something. Put Jackson Jackson. <laughs> you know what? Okay, they they trying to they trying to box with me over my over my opening to my show. Okay, I need to walk on like that. That's the only thing they got. Yeah, no, nah, you do. You gotta put put you in some it. type of astronaut suit or put you in something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we yeah. taking off. I was yeah, gonna I say. I was, was gonna say to the moon, just minus the crypto scams, because that's what the that's what the crypto NFT communities. They'd be like, to the moon, we are gonna get you rich tomorrow. Oh yeah, but no, we, but but we're, talking about, we're talking about the real. Yeah, moon. we're talking about the real yeah. moon. Yeah, we, we talking about going to the moon for real though. That's <laughs> it. Wasn't that be? Oh, that was so beautiful. Got me all hyped. I'm like, to the moon, to the moon, baby. Where yeah, we yeah. going? Let's go, let's go, let's go, <laughs> let's go. So the first moon crew in 50 years include the some diversity. We got a woman all up in there. We got an African American, a black astronaut up in there. Some they could have diversified a little more, but we go ahead and run with it for now. To the moon, baby. The four astronauts will be the first to fly NASA's Orion capsule, launching atop a space launch system rocket from Kentucky Space Center no earlier than late 2024. They will not land or even go into lunar orbit, but Rather fly around the moon and head straight back to Earth, a prelude to a lunar landing by two others a year later. So what they are doing, baby, they are preparing the way. That's what they do. And I hope they play that theme music too, as they blasting off. That's what they got to do. They got to do that. Congratulations streamed in from retired astronauts lifting up their sisters and brothers and family and friends, including Apollo 11's Buzz Aldrin and Scott Kelly, the first American to spend close to a year in space. Huge risk, huge commitment, internal benefits for all. What a crew tweeted Chris Hatfield, the first Canadian commander of the space station a decade ago who performed David Bowie's Space Odyssey from orbit. Y'all better talk about that, baby. I'll tell you, Jackson, I'm so excited. Hell, I act like I'm going to the moon, <laughs> to the moon. Well, I think, <laughs> I mean, these, these types of things are, are really uh, worth uh, the, the public investment. And even if it, in the private sector, we can get more of this, um, you know, I, I speaking of SpaceX, maybe we should get someone else in charge of it other than yeah, Elon Musk. Yeah, Jackson, I'm parting ways but, with you on that. But I, I, I yeah, I hear you. But I, but I but I was just saying um, in terms of whether it's public or, or private, um, you know, there's just uh, not just a lot to learn in terms of where we come from and how things work, but just even in terms of just raw materials. Everything we need and use here on Earth is out there in the endless magnitude, whether it be metals, uh, organic materials, even water, uh, fresh water. Things like that, you know what I'm saying? Asteroid mining, all of these things that are, you know, kind of science uh, fiction concepts. That's where a lot of our technology comes from, anyway. So I think it's always worth uh, further investment into these areas because it's what drives humanity forward. And one of the most beautiful things about being human is we have the ability to consciously evolve ourselves. So Ooh, don't we though? We need to use that to evolve towards progress. But baby, to the yeah. moon, to the moon, <laughs> to the moon. Team, let's put up these tweets real quick. Let's roll through them because we gotta we gotta take a break. But this is it, baby. We got NASA. Meet the first member of Artemis 2 Moon Crew Mission Specialist, Astro Christina. You better go on and say that, baby. We got our next one. Our Artemis 2 pilot, woo, fly that thing, baby. Astro Vic Glover in the house, put up our next one, representing the CSAAC on Artemis 2 to the moon. Astro Jeremy from London, Ontario, baby, in the house. Y'all better do that. <laughs> Listen, I see some 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 cards going. We need some some sports cards or something. Right. To, uh, all right, put up our next one and rounding out our Artemis Moon Crew Mission Commander Astro Reed, baby. Oh yeah, I see some cards. We need some player cards, some <laughs> like some baseball type cards with the some holographic cards. Yeah, baby, Make some collector cards to the moon. Saying? <laughs> to the moon, to the moon, to the moon, to the moon, baby. All right, y'all need to wrap y'all minds around that. I am giddy as hell about going to the moon. Maybe one day I will go to the moon. I don't know if the moon can handle all this black girl magic, but maybe one day we will see. All right, we will be right back after this. Ooh. 
Welcome back to the show. I am still in outer space, baby, to the moon, to the moon, to the moon. Woo wee, I'm so excited. Y'all know how science excites me so very much. Now make sure that you're watching, you use video on demand for Unboss. You can catch us if your family, friends, and your frenemies cannot catch us live. Direct them to video on demand. And now the Webby Awards or the Weeby Awards, I think it's the Webby Awards. TYT has been nominated again. We are nominated, baby. So go to tyt.com slash vote. Voting ends on April the 20th. So your vote counts. We need you to vote for TYT to go ahead and win that award. And then the progress report, if you have not already subscribed to the progress report, do that. Subscribe, get the progress report, progressive news and inspiration every weekday morning. Take that smartphone and scan it right there and bam, you are in. Let me go to my favorite part of the show, TYT members, dragon, fruit dragon. I saw a liberal hunting license novelty novelty gift in Pen, in Pigeon Ford, Tennessee. Not exactly the bastion of open minds and tolerance. Effing disgusting. I'm with you, Dragon Fruit Dragon. And Bill's Dragon circles the wagons. We need some more people using the F-bomb to describe conservatives on TV. I'm with you, Bill Dragon circles the wagon. Now, I don't know how many of you know this, but I'm gonna let you in on the secret. And don't tell a whole bunch of folks, but I am bilingual, okay? I speak cussing, I do, yes, I do, so I'm with you. And on Twitch, Danger Mouse 17, WTF is right. God, I love you, Nina. Preach, mama. I know that's right, baby. We ain't gonna play games on Unboss. I already told you, we put the requisite emotion. What kind of immoral nation are we? Not to feed babies and let them get gunned down in the schools. Something is wrong. Melanie for, Melanated 44, time to take a stand. Amen for that. San Diego J, I love these two gentlemen. Definitely need more of them. And Max Frost out of Florida. And Henry Dow. As LOL, Nina in a moon suit. LOL, gotta see that. Baby, and I would have it specially designed. <laughs> you hear me? It would be a space suit like they had never seen. I would be channeling Flojo, the great track star who's no longer on this plane of existence. But that is the kind of space suit Sister Turner would be wearing, baby. All right, our next guest is an associate professor of urban studies at the Cleveland State University. We went to college together, both at Cuyahoga Community College where futures begin. And then we matriculated over to Cleveland State University. This is one of my dear friends, but he is an and he is an expert extraordinaire on racial profiling and policing in America. And he knows what needs to be done. He adds to the intellectual academic and also theoretical realm of this particular issue. Take a look at this. As an urban sociologist, I research issues affecting minorities and the urban poor with particular expertise in race, policing, and racial profiling. I approach research questions within urban studies from a sociological perspective. This enables one to understand and examine the manner in which social forces structure, influence, define, and constrict one's life and the life choices and opportunities that are or are perceived to be available to them based on their membership in the various cultural, economic, or social groups within society. I am so excited to have as a guest with me today on Unbossed, the one and only Dr. Ronnie Dunn. Not only did we go to school together, went to college together, we testified before a congressional traveling congressional committee together way back when in the 90s. We served on Governor John Kasich's task force on community and police relations. Dr. Dunn, you have done some, you were on some committees for President Barack Obama. And your most recent book, Boycotts, Busing, and Beyond the History and Implications of Cleveland School Desegregation Case, 
to examine the issue. So you all over the place and we are really gonna dig into your first book, the book that you wrote with Dr. Dr. Reed, which is Racial Profiling Causes and Consequences. Dr. Dunn, it is such an honor to have you on the show today. Let's just get right into it cuz I'm gonna have to have you on again. You lay out in the book racial profiling causes and consequences. You lay out the components of racial profiling, how those components impact the black community. And so many people are still confused about racial profiling and its impact. Can you walk us through some highlights of your research? And why should people still care that racial profiling is still going on? Well, sure, but first let me just thank you for allowing me this honor to be with you, my dear friend, Senator Turner. It's truly an honor. So, racial profiling, you know, I was thinking about it earlier today, and I've been doing this work for close to 30 years now, Nina. Close yeah. to 30 years. And we have yet to really address this issue. Um, as as a nation or even at the state and local levels throughout this country for the most part. Uh, why this is of such importance is the most frequent contact the average citizen has with police and by extension the criminal justice system comes through traffic stops. So, and as my research shows and using the city of Cleveland as a case study, while African American were the majority of motorists stopped for traffic violations, we were not the majority of the driving population, nor when I used a radar gun to do speed readings along major traffic arteries, we weren't the majority of those speeders, then that is the most frequent traffic citation. If you think about the number of citizens, unarmed citizens that have died as a result of a traffic stop going from Philando Castile, Samuel DuBose to name a few. You know, there are a number of names and I can go back to the 90s, Johnny Gamage, you know, such names as that. that that exemplifies the importance of addressing this issue. If we can reduce and preclude these unnecessary and in many instances unconstitutional stops of citizens, we could then stop some of the losses of life and these volatile confrontations between police and the public and citizens. And Dr. Dunn, we hear a lot about, oh, if they had a cooperated or they're not cooperating or their attitude. You know, mm-hmm. people say that, especially when it comes to the African American community. I rarely hear that type of language used when it comes to other of our sisters and brothers of other ethnicities and or races. Why is the American psyche so fixated with the behavior of black people? And why is that particular argument not relevant unless the person is indeed being violent? Which we know some traffic stops can be deadly for members of law enforcement. My son is a member of law enforcement, so I get it. You and I were on that task force that had members of law enforcement on there, both in policing, you know, on police departments and also sheriff department. So we get it. But my point right here is why is that language used so often when it comes to the African American community and nobody else's behavior is policed? Right, well, there are a number of factors there, Senator. But first, I would say part of it is that the majority population's experience with law enforcement is so diametrically opposite that of the African American community. So, but there was one, the George Floyd case was an exemplar of a case that all of those traditional arguments that you hear raised were absent. And the reason that 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 murder had such an impact as it did is because we were all held captive audience 
to witnessing that murder. And what I argue really made it different from all the other losses of black lives throughout the generations. Why we saw such a different response was the fact that white families were at home, white parents were at home isolated due to the COVID pandemic. And having to now explain to their five, six, seven year old child how something so atrocious could happen happen in America where all of those arguments that are traditionally raised were absent. There were none of them present. And then when we talk about blacks resisting or running from law enforcement, all we have to do is look at the Tyree Nichols case in Memphis. That on the other hand exemplifies why people might run from police. I'm not saying that's the thing to do. But there are instances where it would it's, it's it's understandable why they would run. And Doctor, as you described, you know, it reminded me, you know, when you talked about the the families and everybody's at home and all of that kind of stuff, reminded me of some of what was happening during the civil rights movement. You know, when those families in the white families in the north were sitting back looking at TV and they're like, what? Yes. What? This is happening in the south, and plus some of their babies was down there too. Mm-hmm. Let's go and put that out there as well. And so you're right, like this awakening that 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 is starting to happen in this country, but certainly is not happening quick enough. Dr. Dunn, I think we only got about 60 seconds left. Let me ask you this, is reform possible? And I'm gonna have you back on the show because this is a topic that we gotta talk about in a deeper way and talk about often. But is reform possible? Well, uh, Nina, I would say it is, but we just have to have the political will to make it happen. And truthfully, I've long been arguing we need to move past reform and talk about transform, transformation. We need to transform the relationship between the law enforcement institutions in this country and communities of color. Yeah, I get that, Doc. I'm all about it too. Transform transformation because we can't reform a legal system that is working exactly as it was mm-hmm. designed to do. Well, this is the one and only Dr. Ronnie Dunn, associate professor at the Cleveland State University, a dear friend of mine, and just absolutely brilliant. Doc, we will have you back on as a subject matter expert. And for all of you, thank you so much for joining us today. You know what I want you to do about this time? To the moon, to the moon, to the moon. I think I'm gonna change my clothes now to the moon. I'm so giddy about them going to the moon. But no, seriously, you know what I want you to do about this time. I want you to keep the faith, always, always keep the faith. But most importantly, keep the fight until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.